Hey listeners, so obviously being season three, you know that this podcast is coming to an end, but we are looking forward to what we want to do next, and we want your opinion on this. If you go into the description or show notes of this episode, you should find a link where you can fill out a form asking for your opinion on what show we should be covering next. We would really appreciate it if you guys can fill it out because we want to keep making podcasts and we want the podcast to be something that you are interested in. So once again, go in the show notes or the description of this episode, there will be a link that says, tell us what we should do next. Click on it and fill out the form to let us know. Thank you so much. We really value your opinion and we can't wait to hear from you. Here's the show. Hey, Serena. Yeah, Tyler. Let's go to the beach each. Let's go get away. They say. What they gonna say? Have a drink. Blink, found a bud like. Bad bitches like me is hard to come by. Starships were meant to fly. Hands up and touch the sky. Can't stop, cause we're so high. Let's do this one more time. I'm Tyler Strandberg. And you know that I'm Serena Shrifles. And you might not know that you're listening to the Avatar podcast. And now you do. Yep, yep. On this podcast, we watch the Nickelodeon show Avatar, The Last Airbender, and analyze the plot, themes, and characters. At the end of each episode, we'll talk about who our favorite character was, as well as give the episode a rating on a scale of 1 to 10. You're listening to the Avatar podcast. Yep, yep. And we also sing songs in very bad attitude. You know, occasionally we sing songs, but Aaron likes to destroy that fun for us. Ah, They're like something about copyright or whatever. Yeah, and also Aaron is musically inclined, and I'm... Aaron is like, y'all can't sing. And I'm like, I know. Today we'll be talking about the fifth episode of book three titled The Beach. Zuko, Azula, May, and Ty Lee are sent on a forced vacation to Ember Island by Fire Lord Ozai. They attempt to behave like typical Fire Nation teenagers, but experience little success. They eventually reveal their inner problems as they discover more about each other. Meanwhile, the gang is attacked by a mysterious assassin with a deadly firebending ability. What? That goes from zero to 60 real fast. Who would have known? Hmm. The episode premiered on Nickelodeon on October 19, 2007, and was written by Katie Matilla. In the Tales of Ba Sing Se, um, Katie Matilla wrote The Tale of Zuko, and we mentioned that she would have one other writing credit, and that is this episode. This one! Katie Matilla was chosen to write this episode because of her prior experience portraying Zuko's angsty teen personality while in romantic situations, as she had done in The Tale of Zuko. All right. Well, um, that's kind of a thing to know. Why don't we talk about some more things to know? You know what, Tyler? I would love nothing more. This is a big boy episode, so let's dive into it. Chan is the son of Admiral Chan, who was said to be on vacation on Ember Island in The Awakening. Ooh, this episode was influenced significantly by the film The Breakfast Club, which is one of my favorite movies. I love it so much. It is kind of problematic, but... I've never seen it. We're putting a pin to that, and I'm going to get really vocal about it. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, The Breakfast Club, which was used as a reference material for the relationship-based plot of the Ember Island storyline. Joaquin DeSantos humorously interjected the song Don't You Forget About Me, popularly known for being played at the opening and closing of the aforementioned film, to the end of The Beach during the animatic phase of production. I do know that song, and I do know that he ends the film like with this fist. In yeah. The- oh, iconic. 
So um, the A storyline of The Beach, which is the plot that deals with Zuko and the others on Ember Island, was originally intended to be the B story, a.k.a. the secondary story. However, to flesh out some of the characters in Azula's team, the plans were changed to focus more on them rather than the gang. Aang and his friends. Um, the original swimsuit designs applied to Azula, May, and Ty Lee by series creator Brian Konietzko stirred controversy in Nickelodeon's standards and practices divisions, which said they were too sexy for Nick at an early point in production and had to be redrawn. Whoa. Which like For real? Yeah, which like Ty Lee's swimsuit is already like pretty sexy as it is. That's toned down. <laughs> like that is a toned down swimsuit of what the original was. Oh. I can assume that like some of the others were maybe like a little bit too much too. Yeah. Kinda hope that Zuko's was too much and mm. I want to see that version of yes. it. Yes. I was watching this and I was like, oh my god, Ty Lee, I would wear that on stage during competition. Oh my god. <laughs> Dang girl. I, I love her. She is embracing <gasps> Her true self. Yes. Ty Lee is the next Miss Fire Nation. Is she going to be on America's Next Top Model? Um, is she's... Tyra Banks going to tell her <sighs> if she can stay or not? No. Ty Lee is going to be the one telling um, Tyra, um, you oh need to God, get it together. So right. You are so right. <laughs> So this is the second time Ty Lee is labeled a circus freak. Um, earlier, Katara also called her that once in The Drill. Uh, the knocker on the door of Chan's house is in the shape of a lion turtle's head. This imagery really does keep popping up, uh, which it's can like lead us all over. <laughs> yeah, like once uh, once you notice it, it's really hard to not notice it. Anymore. Yeah, yeah, which is cool because it leads us to believe that there will be importance to it later on, or rather that it's very, very super influential piece of history slash lore in the world of Avatar. When Zuko takes off his shirt to play. Kawaii ball. I'm assuming, like that's what the website told me was the name of the volleyball like game. Mm-hmm. Um, several blushing girls start giggling over him. The exaggerated attractiveness of both Zuko and Tylee is typically known as fan service, a common facet of anime. And a service is it? And I'm a fan. I'm <laughs> a fan of that service. Service to me, and I was a fan of it. <laughs> Such a fan. God, I'm sorry. Zuko is so hot when he takes his shirt off I with know. all the doves flying behind him. I'm uh, like, ooh, what, what a man's. I thought about you when I watched that part. I was like, <laughs> Tyler's going to talk about this specifically, I, and here I am, <laughs> and here we are. I guys. love that moment. According to the audio commentary, the beach's sand is gray due to volcanic ash, which is similar to the black. Black sand beaches in the volcanic regions around the world. And uh, the location for the volcano where the unnamed Fire Nation assassin attacked Team Avatar is based directly on a volcanic crater called Viti, which means hell, in Iceland that Brian Konietzko visited a short time before creating this scene. Oh, that's so cool that they got to travel and like brought that into I Avatar. know, right? I'm oh. guessing Nick was like, they were like, hey, Nickelodeon, we, we, we need to do research in Iceland. <laughs> And Nick was like, okay, here's your budget, go. Uh, yeah, I love it. I want to get paid to travel. I know, me too. <laughs> a storyboard scene was shown at Anime Expo 2010 in which the unnamed Fire Nation assassin kills the two soldiers whose message to the Fire Lord he intercepted in order to prevent the news that Aang was still alive from spreading. This scene, however, was deleted from the final episode, so... Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I yeah. don't think they can show... If they couldn't show Jet dying, then they can't show two randos. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's dive into the themes, and, um, you know, the themes are kind of all-encompassing within the characters. I love it. So we're gonna... Let's dive into this. Um, Perfect. 
as we already stated, this episode wants to focus more on developing Team Azula as characters. Lo and Lee preface the mood of this episode to prepare the viewer for what we're in for. But Ember Island is a magical place. Keep an open mind. Give it a chance. And it can help you understand yourselves and each other. The beach has a special way of smoothing even the most ragged edges. The episode does a great job at focusing on each of the characters' insecurities and unhealthy behaviors in a way that is approachable to the viewer and is also fun and funny occasionally and helps to further and helps further develop them and make them more complex individuals. And I would just like to say, Lo and Lee mm-hmm. are super hot mamas. Oh my God, I love them. Like, they take oh. off their robes for like their swimsuits, you know, mm-hmm. and May covers Zuko's eyes. Ah. May covers Zuko's eyes because she knows that they are too powerful and they would win him over. She knows that no one can resist. These women have won me over. Ah. I want them to both be my mommies. Yes, yes. And I want to go party with them so bad. <laughs> like, I bet they throw down. I know. They probably get crazy at a party. Oh, I probably I like couldn't like even keep later up. Later in the episode, they clap and they're like, to the party, like to insinuating party. that they're going I as know. well. Oh, I want to party with Lo and Lee. Me too, Tyler. Me too. And you know what? At about the halfway point in this episode, Lo and Lee, our favorite party girls, foreshadow what the climax of this episode will bring and its significance to the viewers. Like waves washing away the footprints on the sand, Ember Island gives everyone a clean slate. Ember Island reveals the true you. This episode follows the format of Lo and Lee's wise words in a perfect three-act structure. Act one, while the teens are at the beach, they're rough around the edges, exhibiting exactly what's going to be a problem for all of them. Act two, (laughs) while at the party, all their problems come to a head and seemingly blow up in their face. Final act, act three, at the bonfire. They all have to confront their issues and unpack why they're experiencing these problems and how they can better themselves because of it. Okay, so now we're going to switch to characters before we take our break because, like, I don't want to do like a quick little part one and then part two is like 40 minutes. So we're going to do <laughs> yeah. two characters now and then two characters later. And we're going to dive into May and Ty Lee first just because like there, there's less to unpack there. <laughs> yes. So let's start off with our girl May. May struggles, <laughs> obviously, with feeling emotion and therefore she's been labeled as the typical emo girl by fans. This makes her present as apathetic, cold, emotionless, indifferent, and uncanny. Caring. Throughout the episode, she struggles to show Zuko any kind of affection, despite his multiple attempts to try to connect with her and make her feel special. Here, this is for you. Why would I want that? I saw it and I thought it was pretty. Don't girls like stuff like this? Maybe stupid girls. Granted, all of Zuko's attempts seem to be just like the gift-giving region of the typical like love languages, which might not be May's preferred love language. I thought since it's so hot. Here. Thanks. This is really refreshing. And that's important because communication isn't about just showing and expressing how you feel. It's about doing it in a way that, that will come across understands. to the other person. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god, Avatar is teaching us so much. Avatar is teaching you how to love others. At the party, Zuko confronts her about her indifferent attitude and how it's actively harmful to herself and her relationship, including hers with him. Well, at least I feel something as opposed to you. You have no passion for anything. You're just a big blah. 
While at the bonfire, May is able to address why she behaves this way. Ironically, her tone is still indifferent. Oh, well, I'm sorry I can't be as high-strung and crazy as the rest of you. I'm sorry, too. I wish you would be high-strung and crazy for once, instead of keeping all your feelings bottled up inside. She just called your aura dingy. Are you going to take that? What do you want from me? You want a teary confession about how hard my childhood was? Well, it wasn't. I was a rich only child who got anything I wanted. As long as I behaved. And sat still. And didn't speak unless spoken to. My mother said I had to keep out of trouble. We had my dad's political career to think about. May was taught as a child that her feelings were not important and she was punished for any time she would make herself visible, resulting in the recluse and dull personality she's portraying now. Ella, we'll see a lot of childhood trauma here, so like, get ready for that! Oh my god, this week in therapy, I got really far with my own childhood trauma. Oh my god, good for you, I'm so proud of you. It was a high. I mean, like, I'm sorry about the childhood trauma, but I'm glad that you're working through it. No, see, I didn't even know. Oh, oh, we get to talk about Ty Lee now. Yes, we do. Who I think I've said earlier when I started as a host that she is overall my favorite character in the Mm -hmm. Avatar series. She's so amazing. And she really is. Um, So let's dig deep, man. dig into her. Ty Lee's struggles are the most obvious to spot because they're often put at the center of the episode, but it's clear she struggles with attention and saying no to too much of it. This happens at the beach with all the guys swooning over her. And at the party when she's getting hit on by a bunch of dudes. While she's ridiculed about this by Azula, this comes up later at the bonfire. So how do you know Ty Lee? I met her at the beach today. She was pretty impressed by a stamp pagoda that I made for her. Well, I met her first. It doesn't matter who I met first, because I like you all. But which one of us do you like? Yeah, tell us. I don't know, I don't know! From what I can understand, this is a typical middle child syndrome, often overlooked and ignored by parental figures and seen as disposable or unimportant. And I'm sure this is especially more difficult for Ty Lee as she describes her sisters looking exactly like her. Yeah, I I also want to take note that I doubt that she was a part, like she says that she had six other siblings mm-hmm. or whatever who looked exactly like her. I doubt she was a part of a... That would be seven. So septuplet. Yeah. Like, I doubt that her mom just had seven children all at once. Yeah. Most likely it was, like, her and all of her sisters were born very, very close to each other, and they all just look very, very similarly to each other. Ty Lee, therefore, struggles with attention because it's not something she's used to. She doesn't know how to properly handle all the praise and focus put on her, and she just tries to be nice and brush it off while also trying to deflect the focus away from her. Which is, sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like a lot of energy I'm that she's like, putting into that's that. That's a lot of like, I don't know how to handle all this attention, but, but I'm I trying. But I want it. I also want that attention. I just want many men to love me oh like they love Tylee. I just want a whole bunch of cats to like me. I just all want. at the same time. <laughs> Hi, welcome back. We're going to talk about... Uh, 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 uh. Don't be afraid to say her name, Tyler. <laughs> She's going to hunt me down. She I, will. <laughs> I need to protect my family. And by family, I mean my cat. <laughs> protect Gigi. Gigi deserves protection. He does. Um, even though he doesn't need it, he yeah, can protect honestly, himself. <laughs> honestly, Gigi would be protecting you. <laughs> Gigi is powerful enough to ward off any enemies. Okay, we're going to be talking about Azula now, and Mm -hmm. buckle up, because there's a lot going on here. 
Um, oh, wow. And that's the first point. There's a lot going on with Azula this episode. But I think most of it kind of stems from like a general lack of empathy. Yeah, I can agree on that. Um, pretty much. Love how I just say that so casually. Like, I think this stems from like a general lack of empathy. Yeah, like, you know, lack of connection and all that yeah. great stuff. And while this flaw presents itself in many different ways, there's one instance that stands out in which every manifestation of this flaw shows. Oh, I'm glad you're here. Those boys won't leave me alone. I guess they all just like me too much. Come on, Tylee. You can't be this ignorant. What are you talking about? Those boys only like you because you make it so easy for them. You're not a challenge. You're a tease. It's not like they actually care who you are. <laughs> okay, okay, calm down. I didn't mean what I said. Look, maybe I just said it because I was a little... jealous. What? You're jealous of me? <laughs> but you're the most beautiful, smartest, perfect girl in the world. Well, you're right about all those things. But for some reason, when I meet boys, they act as if I'm going to do something horrible to them. <laughs> but you probably would do something horrible to them. I'm sure they're just intimidated by you. In this one instance, we see Azula display the following qualities that ultimately play into her flaw of lack of human connection. Sadism, praise and high value of self-worth, power and personal gain slash benefit, and general lack of empathy. Let's talk about sadism oh, first. Oh, okay. <laughs> we stated this in the very first episode that we saw Azula in, but it very much presents itself in this episode as well. Yeah, Azula enjoys seeing others suffer to the point where she will inflict pain upon others herself. Like when she stomps on that poor child's sandcastle and causes him to cry and run away, and then she's like, ha! Yeah, I mean, the point there is really driven home yeah. because, like, about, like, how sadistic she is. Because abuse of a child or, like, intentionally harming a child is, like, often seen as this really, like, ultimate evil thing that you can do. Because, like, kids grow up with that pain and that trauma and that can have long-lasting effects into their adulthood. It might seem like something super small where it's like, oh, she's stumped on this kid. So he's going to go run away and cry to his mom. But, like, that kid could be, like, 25 and he could be like, yeah, when I was a kid, this teenager, like, destroyed my sandcastle that I spent two hours working on and like that's been fucking with me ever since. And he's trying to cope with that. He is. It's a circle of abuse. You're abused as a child and then you abuse again as an adult. I don't not love always, that circle. Not always, but for Azula, it's there. Okay, the circle yeah. of abuse is a very real thing. Like right. if you're mm -hmm. abused as a child, you will probably still abuse again as an adult. Mm -hmm. um, that's why like these patterns are repetitive and familiar behaviors. Um, and obviously that's happening with Azula. You know, she yeah. experienced a lot of trauma as a kid and now she is inflicting abuse onto others as a teenage slash adult. Yeah. And we, we also see that um, not just at the can sand castle, but at the party um, when Tylee makes the comment that Azula would probably do something horrible to a boy if they upset her, which yeah. is uh, completely true. I mean, like, it's a passing comment, but it's pretty disturbing. Yeah. Let's talk about praise and high value of self-worth. Mm -hmm. Azula has always been told that she has been the best at what she does to the point where she starts to believe that she is better than other people and therefore she deserves better than others. Sometimes this behavior is very outright, like when she's set off by the lack of invitation to the party. I'm having a party tonight. You should come by. Sure. I love parties. Your friend can come, too. Uh, what about me and my brother? Aren't you going to invite us? You don't know who we are, do you? And other times, it can be more subtle, almost like played off as a joke. I'm so used to people worshipping us. They should. 
Yes, I know, and I love it. Even after Azula makes Tai Lee cry, Tai Lee still praises her, and Azula fully embraces the praise, disregarding the pain she just called her so-called friend, and instead turning the attention back to herself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, this is why I put that quote at the top, because, like, it keeps coming up. Oh, boy. And we're not done there, everybody. Now we get to talk about power and personal gain slash benefit because Azula often only sees people as how they're personally useful to her and how they can further progress her own ambitions. Similarly, she sees how she can exploit other people in order to gain power. Like in a comedic instance here, she uses this ability during the volleyball game. See that girl with the silly pigtails? When she runs toward the ball, there's just the slightest hesitation of her left foot. I'm willing to bet a childhood injury has weakened her. Keep serving the ball to her left and we'll destroy her and the rest of her team. Dismissed. Azula is able to pinpoint the weakness of her other team and exploit it to win. We've seen her easily able to find weaknesses in others while barely knowing them, such as the Earth King, Long Fang, and even the Dai Li agent with the scar in The Crossroads of Destiny, further reinforcing her reputation as a people person. She is also instructing her team members on how to play, and while this is a smart strategy to have everyone on the same page, it's also very telling how she assumes the role of the leader and commands the other players on her team. Afterwards, it's very clear she doesn't even see the situation for what it is, a game to have fun, and instead sees it as a value of worth, and she deems herself and her team better than the opposing team because they beat them. Yes! We've defeated you for all time! You will never rise from the ashes of your shame and humiliation! At the party, she's jealous of the attention as Tai Lee is receiving from the boys and doesn't even know how to interact with them. We'll get to that soon. But as soon as she has a genuine moment with Chan, she jumps to conclusions about how they can give each other political power. Together. You and I will be the strongest couple in the entire world. We will dominate the Earth! I would just like to say um, that was amazing. (laughs) Um, And while this is played for comedic effect, it's very disturbing that this is her first reaction after she kisses a dude. Yeah, I agree with you. This is funny. (laughs) But like on a deeper level, very disturbing. It's like Azula. Like... Girl... Come on, Like, you cute. You're cute, girl. Come on. That's what my therapist calls self-destructive behaviors. (laughs) Oh, Oh, my God. Okay, again, at the party, when Azula's position of power is threatened by Tai Li, she is intentionally mean to her so that Azula can try to regain control. Ooh, yes, that's true. (laughs) Uh, I love this one. I love how you like bring all these up as if like you're so excited. I know. I was. Oh, oh, you know what else? Let's talk about personal gain and like power. I know. I was just about to say, I've been like approaching this like it's like really cool and I love it and it's super fun. Like, oh, guess what? (laughs) Um, Next up is power and political personal gain slash benefits. Let's talk about that. I feel like it's like a camp counselor. (laughs) Oh my God. You're so right. I would have been such a great camp counselor. And now, kids, let's talk about general lack of human connection and empathy. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) Azula's desire for power often puts her in a position where she only sees people as things that she is able to use in order to gain benefits for herself, leaving her unable to connect to others or understand the way that they're feeling. Yeah, and sometimes this can be genuinely funny in the episode, like how she sucks at flirting. That's a sharp outfit, Chan. Careful, you could puncture the hull of an Empire-class Fire Nation battleship, leaving thousands to drown at sea. 
because it's so sharp. Um, thanks. Like, she really sucks at flirting. Oh my god, it's so bad. This like, is, I mean, it's hysterical, but at the same time, you're kind of like, do you not know how to interact with another human being? Yeah, I was like, I know I used to be bad at flirting, but that's... I'm like, I think there's oh. a difference between like, oh, you're so bad at flirting versus like, do you know what a human connection is? <laughs> That's like, the important line to draw right here. Yeah. <laughs> and other times, it's not as fun. And other times, it's uncomfortable to how she reacts to normal interactions. Um, you're a little early. No one's here yet. I heard you telling someone you'd be partying from dusk till dawn. It's dusk, so we're here. But that's just an expression. We are the perfect party guests. We arrive right on time because we are very punctual. Like, again, there. It's like, mm-hmm. can't you just brush that off like, and be like, oh, ha, ha, sorry, we're early. But instead you're like, no. And it's like, uh, uh <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, yeah, we get that you're like self-righteous and self-important, but like. Like, girl, read the room. <laughs> girl, aren't you a people person? <laughs> exactly, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> So at the bonfire, she cannot seem to connect with the emotions that everyone else is feeling and reacts in ways that seems to brush off their emotions or, again, finds genuine enjoyment out of their pain. Mm-hmm. She has these reactions to everyone as they share. To May, Well, that's it then. You had a controlling mother who had certain expectations, and if you strayed from them, you were shut down. That's why you're afraid to care about anything and why you can't express yourself. You want me to express myself? Leave me alone! She's... Like, she's right about everything that she says about May, but, like, she fails to recognize that now is not the time that she should be psychoanalyzing a friend of hers who just opened up and shared a personal experience. And it should be a time for, like, empathy and understanding. But, like, like we said, Azula doesn't have that quality. Oops. <laughs> Oopsies. She does this to Tylee as well. Circus freak. <laughs> yes, I'm a circus freak. Go ahead and laugh all you want. You want to know why I joined the circus? Here we go. Her annoyance signifies as if Tylee's struggle isn't important or that it's bothersome that Tylee is about to open up and share her experiences and trauma. And also, after Zuko, she brushes them all off as if what they're feeling isn't real, calling their trauma, quote-unquote, performances. Well, those were wonderful performances, everyone. While she has clearly exhibited behaviors of lack of empathy, it should be noted that she does have a moment of empathy after she makes Tylee cry at the party. It should also be noted that this is the only instance in the entire series that we see Azula feel genuine remorse. The only one. In the whole series. She has been in countless episodes. And this is the only time we see her feel remorse. The one. That's a problem. I would say yes. At the bonfire, after undermining the other's emotions, we get a brief glimpse into how deeply traumatized Azula is from the treatment of her mother. Well, yes, I guess you're right. I don't have sob stories like all of you. I could sit here and complain how our mom liked Zuko more than me, but I don't really care. My own mother thought I was a monster. She was right, of course, but it still hurt. Azula's feelings about Ursa are very similar to Zuko's feelings about Ozai. Both of them believe that the parent that they feel rejected by favored the other sibling more. And of course, we should note that Ursa never physically abused her child like Ozai did to Zuko, but abuse does come in many different forms. Remember in Zuko alone? What is wrong with that child? 
When most people think of trauma, it's often just like one big event. Um, but many times, small events such as this one that we just heard can add up and create problems and trauma into adulthood. So to kind of explain, this is the difference between PTSD and CPTSD, or complex PTSD. One is a singular large event, and CPTSD is many smaller events that happen over a longer period of time and is often the result of childhood abuse. Let's get into Zuko now. So <gasps> Yes, mental health therapy oh needed. <laughs> like Zuko really be angry in this episode. I mean go off. Like, I mean, like, this is understandable. Like Zuko is like has a reputation for being hot headed. See what I did there? Oh my god. Get it? Okay. Um, <laughs> eat my shorts. <laughs> but like, especially when he's like faced with personal challenges or difficulties. In this episode especially, he's trying to connect with May, but she's constantly rebuking him. And we talked about her character segment earlier. Um, this is probably like the added difficulty for Zuko as well, because like for the longest time he could rely on his uncle for emotional support, and now he doesn't have that anymore. I also think it might just because like Zuko doesn't know how to treat women because he's not attracted to women. Oh, I knew you were gonna say that. Like the entire time I was watching the episode, I was like, okay, at this instance, Tyler is going to use that specific. I'm argument. sorry, like <laughs> no, but Zuko I can and May are not compatible They're because not. Zuko is so gay. <laughs> He I, is. On a different note, I also think May is a big gay as well. Oh. May exudes both bisexual and lesbian energy. I yes. think May exudes more bisexual energy I, than yeah, she does lesbian I would say, energy. Mm-hmm. But still. Yeah. Would you say Tylee exudes? Oh, Tylee is straight lesbian. Yes. Straight thank you. lesbian. Yes, thank you. Uh, Tylee, she's getting the attention from all these boys, and she's like, I don't know, I don't know. And then she cartwheels over to Azula, and it's like, oh my God, thank goodness you're here. Let me flirt with you. Yes. <laughs> Tylee is so gay. Oh, God, I love Tylee. Anyway, and on top of getting angry with me, maybe because he doesn't know how to treat women because maybe he's gay, he's also very possessive over her and overly jealous over small interactions she has with others. And I think this is because like he already portrayed his uncle already, so now he's afraid that he'll lose the next person that he considers himself close with. Mm-hmm. How close is he with her? Mm, we don't really know. <laughs> um, so he's like trying to protect that relationship at all costs, even though it's doing more damage to the relationship. I also want to bring up, too, how he gets jealous of, like, all these boys talking to her. And is he jealous that the boys are talking to her and not to him? Yeah, exactly. I think he has a little crush on Chan. Or no, not Chan. What was the other guy's name? Ranjan. Ranjan! (laughs) (laughs) I love how it's spelled in the script. It's spelled like a, you know, like how it should be, like an Asian name. Mm -hmm. Like... Ron John, you mm-hmm. know, but like in the episode, it's pronounced like Ron John. Ron like John. A bad British name. <laughs> like frat boy. Thank you. Yeah. I used to when. I'm imagining like Ron Weasley from Harry <laughs> Potter, but like with dishwater blonde hair and like super beefy and in a frat. Yeah. I remember, I think of him as being like, um, yo, so um, what year are you? Oh, you freshman? Oh, fair nuts. <laughs> Oh, you're a freshman. Cool. What's your number? <laughs> yeah, what's your number? <laughs> oh, okay, good Lord. sorry. Um, yeah, and like May calls Zuko out on this behavior. Heck and honestly, yes. good for her. Yes, thank you. Zuko, what is wrong with you? What's wrong with me? Your temper's out of control. You blow up over every little thing. You're so impatient and hot-headed and angry. 
After this interaction, Zuko returns to his childhood beach house to find peace. And this is a really sad moment. Zuko is feeling so alone that he is literally turning back to one of the last places that he felt genuine happiness and remembering happier times with his mother and his uncle. At the bonfire, Zuko has to confront the source of his anger, resulting in one of the most emotionally moving moments of the episode. For so long, I thought that if my dad accepted me, I'd be happy. I'm back home now. My dad talks to me. <laughs> he even thinks I'm a hero. Everything should be perfect, right? I should be happy now. But I'm not. I'm angrier than ever, and I don't know why. There's a simple question you need to answer then. Who are you angry at? No one. I'm just angry. Yeah. Who are you angry at, Zuko? Everyone. I don't know. Is it Dad? No, no. Your uncle? Me? No, 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 no. Then who? Who are you angry at? Answer the question, Zuko. Talk to us. Come on. Answer the question. Come on, answer it. I'm angry at myself! Why? Because I'm confused. Because I'm not sure I know the difference between right and wrong anymore. This is a really powerful and telling moment. Zuko is at his lowest point, and all of his insecurities are coming out in the form of his anger. And to make matters even worse, he feels as if he's not doing the right thing, or that he's not good enough, and it's he's being even more hard on himself, which is resulting in further anger that just comes out. Mm-hmm. And coming ch- out, further anger coming <laughs> out. What else is coming out? Sorry. <laughs> No, I'm just like sitting here like in awe of all of your arguments here because I literally can't refute it. I'm sorry. Most of the people on Team Azula are gay. Most of the people on Team Avatar are gay. This is a really big gay universe. I love it. The only straight person in this entire series is Katara. Oh, I thought you were going to say Iroh. Katara is like the ally. You know? Yes. Yay, ally! Like she's like, I love my bisexual brother and his boyfriend and his girlfriend. (laughs) Asaka's just dating Zuko and Suki. Honestly. Okay, sorry. That, that's a Wait. strange tangent. Wait, what was let's, that? Uh, let's get back to Zuko's trauma. Oh, yes, yes. So Zuko's trauma. <laughs> Change is often difficult, and we've seen Zuko changing over the past season-ish. But now he's at his lowest point, and it's very difficult for him to try to get out of it. He's able to confront this idea that he's held on to, like, everything that he's wanted and why and his father and like his father's acceptance and he's able to question whether or not this is all really worth it or whether or not this is what Zuko has really wanted and he's coming to the conclusion that it's probably not yeah this episode really marks a huge change in Zuko and as viewers we hope that we'll see a change in him over the next few episodes for the better when um Azula and Tylee and May were like what are you, who are you angry at, Zuko? Tell us, tell us. I was like, oh my God, I'm about to have a panic attack. Oh my God, right? And <laughs> then he like blows the bonfire up and he's like, I'm angry at myself. Oh. Tears were streaming down my face. Oh. I was Coldplay. I was Coldplay, Jesus. Christ. Oh, Lord. Crikey. Okay. Y'all can't see me, but I'm dancing right now. I'm dancing in a really weird way. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's fine. My favorite character was my girl Azula. Oh, hell yeah. Would you care to share why? Yes, I would. And I would like to point out, um, I love Tylee so much, mm-hmm. but I couldn't pick her as my favorite character this episode because I was really drawn toward Azula. I, I love that this is the first time that we see Azula in situations that we as, I guess, lay people would find uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and we feel embarrassed for her, but mm-hmm. we know that she feels no embarrassment whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And it's so intriguing to see her try and tackle situations that we would think of as vulnerable mm-hmm. and yet not have any sort of reaction. Right. The psychology behind it is just so intriguing. Mm-hmm. Also, she was probably the funniest character in this episode as well. I had quite a couple good chuckles. Right, yeah. If I, if I may say so. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and, you know, Azula is, she is a strong, powerful character. You know, um, someone that, like, when I was a kid, I hoped that I would be like one day. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, I don't have a general lack of human connection and empathy. But um, at least I don't think I do. <laughs> no, you do not. Okay. You are an empathetic human being. Okay, thank you. For validating me. (laughs) You're welcome. And so, I don't know. I think in this instance, it's definitely like an opposites attract. Like, Mm -hmm. I see this strong, powerful woman, and I see her for everything that she could be. And then she just um, sucks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She just sucks and is evil. And at the same time, I see so much potential, and and I want her to be that. And I, like, love her character for it, but I know that it's bad. Mm -hmm. You know? So, yeah. And I just, I just love that we got to really dive into her character and we got to see bits and pieces and more glimpse about like how she would be as a regular teenager. And I yeah. think, I think it was a really well fleshed out and well-written I mean, episode I, for her part. Yeah. I think that was the point behind the episode. And from what it sounds like it, it has achieved that goal. I picked up what was put down in a very straightforward way. Mm-hmm. I really picked it up when it was set there in front of me. I did pick it up. Like a bend and snap. Oh my god, I legally blonded that. I bended and snapped for Zula. Oh my god. I bended and snapped for her all day long. I'm that stereotypical gay that walks in that's like, oh my god, the bend and snap works every time. (laughs) (laughs) I love it and I love you. And I would love to know who your favorite character was. Um, Serena, you said that we would disagree on this episode, and I don't see it so far because my favorite <gasps> character was Azula. Shut the front door. Yeah. <laughs> so I do. <laughs> I do have to give a little bit of a shout out to my boy Zuko. Yep, here it came. I love him. Mm-hmm. But you know, like my first watch through, I was kind of like, none of them really stood out to me, um, and I kind of just picked Zuko by default because of his big emotional moment at the end. Um, which is very impactful. Like, it did make mm-hmm. me cry. Um, so there is a lot of worth to that. But, like, after working on the script and watching it a second time, I was like, I think there's just so much more depth to Azula's character. That is, I think you phrased it in very perfect ways. It's like you see this very powerful character attempt to be vulnerable, and it's not, it doesn't really work. And it just mm-hmm. kind of makes you feel uncomfortable. And, like, it's very disturbing. It really is. It's yeah. It's kind of creepy, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, but it does so in a way that it's funny, you know? <laughs> like, when you're watching the episode, you're like, <laughs> but then, like, when you start thinking about it, you're like, oh my God. Oh, what? Boy. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just think that she is the best character that has written this episode. And mm-hmm. she is so interesting. Di- I, I spent hours and hours and hours working on this script just because of her character 
And it was very difficult, but it was very, very rewarding to try to figure her out. I do a lot of research for these episodes, and I looked up... There's one YouTube video by a YouTuber, Hello Future Me. I've brought them up a few times. That's right, yeah. They have like an hour-long video about the psychology of Azula, and a good portion of it focuses on this episode. And I got a lot of like my points from that video. I didn't copy and paste them, but like mm-hmm. I kind of used like some of the things that he was saying right. to... like. Mm-hmm further develop some of the things that I wanted to say. Um, So if you have the time, definitely recommend that video. Very, very interesting. And I think this episode does a great job at showing every all of the nuances of our character. Mm-hmm. Okay, Serena, now is when I'm worried that we're going to disagree. Tell me what you rated this episode. Yeah, we disagree on this. Okay. I gave it a nine. Wow, okay. Uh-oh. All right. I guess we did. Um, I gave it, I wanted to give this a 10. Okay. I wanted to give this a 10 so bad, but I was sitting over here, Tyler, flummoxed by the, flummoxed. um, <laughs> yes, quite flummoxed, if you will, by the, um, like when they jumped in between, um, unnamed Fire Nation assassin. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Breakfast Club. <laughs> oh my god. It was literally like attack, boom, 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 attack, boom, boom, boom. Why are you burning that picture of your family? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. I don't know, Tyler, but I just, my my heart couldn't keep up with it. I was it like, was like pounding. I was yeah. like, oh my god. <laughs> I was like, I was like, ooh, yeah. Um, guy who blows stuff up with his mind is like, pew, pew, pew. and mm-hmm. then this is like, I remember when I was a teenager. Oh my god, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> and oh my god, it just, it just. The only thing is that it felt very abrupt, and um, I couldn't quite comprehend. I think if maybe the transition, the transitions had a little bit more fluidity there, which I honestly think they still did a great job writing because um, Katie Matilla, like. Hey, girl, you did a great job. Mm -hmm. But um, I still, like, I don't see how they could have added fluidity. But, yeah, that's the reason why I couldn't give it a 10. It's just because I was, um, I had whiplash. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I can stand behind that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you ready for mine? (laughs) Am I? I don't know. Are you? Okay, yeah, I still don't see why you think that we would disagree. I gave this a 10. Yeah! Not a 9, but very, very similar scores. So. No, I'm not going to change it. I no. still stand by it. It's too so, much. Okay, so I do want to preface. I have always remembered this as being one of the best episodes of Avatar. And I was so excited to dive back into this. And so when I watched the episode for a first time, I was like, yes, I'm so excited. Like, I I think this is going to be my first 10 of season three because like I haven't given an episode of 10 yet. And I'm ready to dig into this. And I watched it and I was like, what? I was very annoyed with what? all of the characters. I was like... Why are you behaving like this? Like, mm-hmm. Azula's just kind of annoying. Yeah. Zuko is just mad all the time. <laughs> Ty Lee is like, I don't know what to do with attention. And May is like, just not giving me anything at all, a complete end of opposite of the spectrum. And I had to do some really deep digging. I was like, what is going on here? And that's when it clicked. I was like, this episode is all saying this. In the sense of like, these characters have 
very, very obvious flaws that they're all working through. And it presents these flaws in a way that is approachable to a young audience and comedic in a way that they can understand. And a bonfire scene at the end is able to dissect all of these behaviors. And I shit you not, Serena, I went from like a three to a 10 as soon as that clicked. I was like... When I first watched this episode, I was like, this is really annoying and really bad. It's like over the top emotions and then suddenly like deep heartfelt moments. Mm -hmm. And then like as soon as it clicked, I was like, oh my God, that's exactly what it's meant to be. And like I, it was lingering in my brain. I'm like, Lo and Lee's quotes have to mean something. They won't be in there for no Mm -hmm. reason. Like what does it, and that's when it like, it just clicked. Ah. I was like, oh my God, I get it. Ah. And like after that moment, I just like started working on the script and I started like going in and the more I wrote, like it went from like a three at first to like an eight or a nine. And then I kept going and I was like, okay, this is like a solid nine. And then I kept going and I really, really worked on Azula's character and I really dug into her character. And I was like, I think this is a 10. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that they were able to pack in all of this information Mm -hmm. in such a complex and easy to understand way. That's brilliant writing. Oh my God. Yeah. Katie Matilla, girl. Good job. Girl. (laughs) Good job. I always forget, Tyler, that this is a kid's show. Yeah, right? And and when I remember that, that's when I'm like, like, I feel like I have to take a step back. And I was like, I would have loved like as like being like an eight or a nine year old to watch this and and like glean those lessons mm-hmm. from this because it's so attainable and it's just it's so fun. They packed so much in and it's so easy to understand. I mean, that's why it's still watchable for many mm-hmm. adults today. And that's why like it has stuck around for such a long time. You know, you can tell it's made for kids, but you can still pick up a lot from it as an adult. And it sticks with you. It does. It's very yeah. memorable. It's mm-hmm. it's like hard to let go of. It, uh Hard to let go of. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's what I was looking for. This has been my favorite show for like a long time. Uh, I love this show. <laughs> That's all we have for this episode. A huge thank you goes out to our producer and audio engineer, Aaron Bogan, along with their production company, Son of Productions. And thank you to Annie Galloway, who made our cover art and is our graphic designer. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more people find us. Don't forget to tell a friend about the show or share the show if you like it. Also, please feel free to reach out to us. We love hearing from you. Our email is airbenderpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram, both at airbenderpod. That's A-I-R, bender, P-O-D. I'm Tyler Strandberg, the host, creator, and head writer of the show. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram, both at tylerjohn7. That's T-Y-L-E-R-J-O-N and the number seven. And I'm Serena Schreifels, the co-host of the show. You can follow me on Instagram at Serena underscore Schreifels. That's S-E-R-E-N-A underscore S-E-H-R-E-I-F-E-L-S. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Starships, I've been too far. Hands up. <laughs>